part of a generation that have never seen a Cleveland championship. I realize this may be a shock, but we can help our team win a title is a lie, and we are the mistake by the lake. So in 30 years, I would tell my children how close we were, the shot, the drive, the ninth inning collapse. We could forget about winning a big one. Nothing happens here except apathy and self-pity. We can dispose of dreams. Reality overtakes the mission. We cannot be deterred from the image of a burning river. We no longer embody the championship image. United, we show a collective failure. We do not believe in one goal. And all of this will come true unless we choose to reverse it. One goal. We do not believe in collective failure. United, we show a championship image. We no longer embody the image of a burning river. We cannot be deterred from the mission. Reality overtakes the dreams. We can dispose of apathy and self-pity. Nothing happens here except winning the big one. We can forget about how close we were, the shot, the drive, and the ninth inning collapse. So in 30 years, I will tell my children we are the mistake by the lake is a lie, and we can help our team win a title. I realize this may be a shock, but we are part of a generation that can bring Cleveland a championship. just 60 miles south of Cleveland, Ohio, okay? And so this is a huge deal to me, and because it's a huge deal to me, it ought to be a huge deal to you, hallelujah. All right, so come on, somebody, give it up for the Cavaliers. Woo! I thank you. I thank you for that very much, and I will continue to be your pastor. All right, good. Depending on how you received that, I wasn't sure, but, but no, listen, on Father's Day, on Father's Day, my son and I, Grant, we got to sit and watch this happen. And on Father's Day night, what a great spirit-led, powerful day. You know, you got to come to the house of the Lord that morning and just hear one of the finest speakers in the, in the country. No, I'm teasing, I'm kidding. But then that night, you got to watch this game happen. And man, LeBron got hurt even, and he still brought it, you know, and brought the championship finally to the city that I just loved growing up, you know, to cheer on. And, and as a Cleveland fan, it wasn't easy, guys. As a Cleveland fan, we were often let down. Whether we were celebrating the Cavs, whether we were celebrating the Indians, whether we were, um, you know, trying to celebrate the Browns, you know. I even, from about 78 to about 88, there was a, a team called the Cleveland Force. And I love soccer. You guys know I love soccer. And so during that season, woohoo, we've got soccer in Cleveland. And so I would go up to the games, and there was times there would be 10 to 12,000 people celebrating soccer in the Force at the Richfield um, uh, Arena. And, man, this is awesome. And, and, and they were no better, you know. And actually, I pulled up, this is, this is kind of prophetic, I pulled this up today from Wikipedia, because I was just thinking about the force, and I thought, I know they did well, but I wasn't sure if how, how they did. You know, I just wanted to see for myself. And so, so the first year they were there, they did not qualify. The second year, did not qualify. 
this may sound like your life. First round they made it to, that's good. Next year they didn't qualify. Then we start to have some momentum and we make it to the semifinals. And then the next year, the semifinals, we're moving on up. Awesome. And the semifinals, and the semifinals, and then the final year, we got it. No, we lost in the finals. This is Cleveland. This is Cleveland, Ohio, as I remember it, with the Cuyahoga River burning, you know, a <laughs> true story. And, uh, but with that, so many times as Cleveland fans, we were let down by our team. With that, so many times we had hopes and our hopes were dashed. With that, we had been challenged this year as, as a, a city, if you will, that city. They were challenged to, ready, believe again. You know, they even called it Believe Land. Isn't that cute? And they believed again. And guess what? They're the champions. Ha! That's awesome. You know. When it comes down to our lives, at times, there's things we want to champion. There's things we want to see victory in. There's things that we want to see a win in. Whether it's your relationships, whether it's your finances, whether it's your faith, whatever it might be. There's things we want to believe God for. But if you're like me, have you ever felt let down by God? Y'all are like, I'm in church. I can't, I can't admit that. No, no, no. You're at Momentum Church. You can't admit that. So have you ever been let down by God? I mean, your experience, your feel, what you're sensing was a defeat or what you were sensing was a, a thought that, man, I feel let down by God. I've come this morning to tell you that you can believe again. I really have come for that reason today. Jesus, help us to be able to believe again. Because often we have feelings of why even hope again? You know, why even have faith again? Why even believe again? And when I even say this, because I've been there before, there's people sitting there today and you're saying, oh, no, I don't want another sermon like this. It's just going to remind me of my defeat. It's just going to remind me of the life that I'm living right now, not experiencing what I thought God promised. God, I don't want to hear this. Again, I get it. And as we talk today, I'm going to tell a little bit of our story weaved in because trust me, I understand this fully, you know. Maybe you've even felt that there were wrong decisions that you made or decisions that were made wrong against you. And with it, life isn't as you thought it would be. Things aren't as you thought it would be. The vision that you had has collapsed and may not even be by fault of your own. But but all you're saying is, I want to believe again. I want to hope again. I want to trust again. But, Ross, it's difficult to do that. I get that, you know. As a kid, it's easy to get past stuff, isn't it, you know. Be honest. As a kid, you can get past stuff. My dad was abusive up until I was about eight or nine years old, and Jesus changed my dad's life. I can't hardly think of my dad in the, the, the context of being an abuser, you know. God so changed his life that I had a new daddy, that's why I preach. That's why I have a heart to see men reached by God. Look around this room. You'll see as many men in here as women. Come on, men. It's not an accident that God's given me men in this house because we've prayed for men in this house. Amen? And I, but, but what I'm saying is as a child, I was able to get past that fairly, fairly I wasn't easily, but God used my dad in a way as I got older to show me what a man of God really is, you know? And so children have a way of getting past stuff, even the way we play games. When I was a kid, I played basketball, you know, especially like backyard basketball, you know. And, um, and trust me, listen, listen, I understand I was no LeBron. Even me saying that, I almost have to talk you into believing that. I know it's a hard truth for you to accept, right, that I was no LeBron. But, 
boy, I could ball. I could for a little short, fat white kid. I could ball. And, uh, <laughs> and so we had this neighborhood where we'd all play, and we'd play in the alley. And there was a carport with a basketball hoop on the side of the carport. And, um, and then we had the mulberry bush over here that was an out-of-bounds. And the bushes on the back side of the, of the alley was the out-of-bounds. And the guy over here with the gun, that was always the out-of-bounds. <laughs> That was, it wasn't the nicest neighborhood, but that was always the out-of-bounds. And so when you were playing, often things would get disputed as children, you know. A ball would be kind of, no, it was out on you. No, it was out on you. And then you'd have the, uh-uh. Remember that? Uh-uh. Everybody, you want to do that. Go ahead. Uh-uh. And you went, uh-uh, man. Uh-uh, man. Well, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Well, I don't believe you. Well, your mama, you know. Now, here's what's funny. Growing up as a kid, my dad was a hairstylist, you know. So fights would sound like this. My daddy will whoop your daddy. And then I'd be like, my daddy will tease your daddy's hair. <laughs> I never did so good in the hood with that. I'm just telling you, <laughs> you know. And I struggled with that one. But, but no, uh-uh, uh-uh. And so you were doubting each other. There was no belief in each other. But kids are resilient. And all kids had to do was say this, do over. Everybody say that. It righted the world. You remember that? You could be so livid with your buddy as a child. If something was challenged by a bad call or a questionable play, everything could be set back in order with the simple shout of a? It was beautiful. Some of you adults need to try to bring that into the practice of your workplace, you know. No, that was my contract. No, that was my contract. Do over. You know, let's start over. No. But listen, wouldn't it be great if life was just that easy? You're struggling in a relationship, do-over. Without calling the lawyers, I don't mean that kind of do-over, you know. But you're struggling, do-over, it's a new day, you know. Your finances are all messed up, you know what, do-over. You know, when it comes down to it, you're struggling to believe God's plan is at work in your life even. Do-over. God, help restore my faith. Help me believe again. And there's people in this room, just like me, two and a half, three years ago, where I had stopped believing. I'd stopped trusting. I'd, I was going to endure because I did love Jesus. I do love, I, st- I love Jesus. And I was going to endure. I just wasn't going to trust him no more. I just didn't think I could believe anymore. I just didn't think I could hope anymore. I, I, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be faithful. But I just don't know the stuff you've told me in my heart and the things that have been confirmed to me by other people. I just don't know if I can put confidence in that anymore. I believe I just have a lot of unbelief too, God, you know. So when it comes down to it, it'd been awesome just to have a, a do-over, a reset button. And often in life, things don't go the way we think they should, and we really do. We need a do-over. So over the next few weeks, what's going to happen is we're going to kind of look at hitting the, the reset button in some areas, relationships and finances. And, and today, just the reset button when it comes to believing again, when it comes to being able to have hope again. So this week, I want to look at hitting the reset button on faith and believing God again that he is working everything out in our lives for our good and for his glory. Amen? There's times I doubted that. But Lord, I can look back now, 2020, hindsight's 2020 vision, I can look back and God, I can see how you're working this out for my good and for your glory. But when I was in the midst of it, just like some of y'all in here today in the midst of it, it's hard to see that. And you just don't even want to even hear a preacher say it again. Believe, trust, hope. It's going to be better. But can I tell you right now, under the unction of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, just believe, just hope, just trust. It's going to be better. 
God is on the scene. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask right now that your presence would come. God, there's sermons that are, are very, very content-driven. Father God, there's sermons that just need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to show up. God, this is one of those days. Have your way with our hearts, Jesus. We can't even trust our own hearts at times. But God, we can trust you. Have your way with our hearts. Let us leave this place believing again the promises that you have said are yea and amen. The promises that you have said are right and good. Help us, Jesus, today, I pray in your name. Amen. If you would, let's stand to our feet. I love to have us stand as we read God's word. We're going to read through a passage in Mark. And as we look at this passage, it's a little spiritual. It's a little spooky. Say spooky. spooky. <coughs> How many like to read things about demons and frothing at the mouth? <laughs> Woohoo! It's going to be fun. All right? But the Lord showed me something in this that I think really, really plays into where my heart was a few years ago and where some of your hearts might be today. It says this, and when they had came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, they were greatly amazed. And they ran up to him and they greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Say, they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From the childhood. And it has often cast him even into the fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So daddy has been facing this with this baby for a long time, this boy for a long time. I believe, but man, I can't help but have unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute, deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. What the enemy tries to say is dead in our lives. God at times is ready to rise us up. Amen? We feel dead. We feel hopeless. But Jesus is on the scene. And he entered the house of his disciples and asked them privately, why could we not ask it, cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's go ahead and have our seats. As you're taking your seats, you see this passage of Scripture. And a couple things, let me put a little caveat in here, a little parenthetical insert. When it comes down to it, as a church, Momentum Church, guess what we believe in when it comes to people dealing with sickness? We believe in medicine. Amen? And that's an awesome thing. And if this child was dealing with something physiological, then medicine would have been a great, great fix, okay? But guess what? As a church, we also believe in the demonic. We believe in signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God. And we believe that there's some things that you can't medicate. There's some things that God needs to do a work in and to bring a miracle to. And so I love that the school I went to, Oral Roberts University, they taught that you have a flow of healing that comes from the heart of God that is medicine. And God brought that to this world, that wisdom, that truth. 
But then you also have the divine touch that comes from God that is that supernatural, miraculous power. And man, both are the healing power of God at work in people's lives. Amen? And so as a church, we recognize both sides. So I don't want to read that and have folk saying in their modern minds, well, that was just something that was a, a paralytic. That was just somebody that had a seizure. Somebody that was, comp- no, no. It said when the Spirit saw Jesus, it freaked. Okay, so it was demonic. It wasn't physiological. It was demonic. And so when the Spirit saw Jesus and it freaked, Jesus didn't freak one bit. He just dealt with it with compassion. Isn't that beautiful? Dealt with it with love and authority, but man, set that young boy free. Now, here's what I'm saying. There's people in here today where you feel like this man, your situation will never change, you know? This man felt like his son would never change. And I'm not saying in your situation you're dealing with something where you're possessed, although... Not taking anything off the table, okay? All right? <laughs> if the table's floating, you might be possessed, all right? So we'll leave the table where, where it lay. But no, what I am saying, okay, is that it could be demonic. There could be something of a spiritual attack in your life taking place. It could be physiological. It doesn't matter. Jesus can heal the physiological issues. He can, can deliver the demonic issues. All I'm saying is we all go through stuff. We all face things that at times we go, God, I believe you can change it, but it ain't changing, God. Why, Lord? I don't understand. I'm your child, and I'm wanting to see this miracle take place, but I'm not seeing the miracle take place. But God, I want to be, I'm going to put this on the screen, I want to be a part of a generation that believes again that all things are possible through the power of Jesus Christ. We live in a society, I think, at times that forgets that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We live in a society that at times forgets and we relegate the miraculous power of God to 2,000 years ago, but he still does miracles today. Lives can still be changed by the power and presence of God. And so as a church, I want to be a place that goes, you know, I got stuff. I'm dealing with stuff. I don't know how to handle my stuff, but I have a Jesus that's bigger than the stuff. I have a Savior that can heal me and deliver me and set me free. And if I'm going through something right now, and I don't understand why I'm going through it, God, you are faithful. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to hold fast to you. I'm not going to leave my relationship with you. I don't care how long it may take. You are faithful. And there was times in my life where I doubted his faithfulness. There was times in my life where I I ran from him. I knew he was powerful. I knew that, but I needed a do-over in my faith. I got to a place where I struggled with my belief and things that God had said to me as a young man. I just didn't know if I believed anymore, you know. And you may be here today, things that you have felt in prayer over your marriage, you just don't know if you can believe it anymore. Things you felt over your finances, you just don't know if you can believe it anymore. Maybe addiction or struggle or things you felt over your, yourself. Because sometimes we just struggle with ourself, who we are, our nature. And you just don't know if you can trust God to... Set you free from self, you know. I remember as a church, when it came down to it, this idea of my struggle, I came to Georgia as a disciple, believing that God had great things in store. I I came to Georgia, maybe like the disciples of Christ in this story. Okay, I'm not going to put myself on that plane, okay, because all of them got killed. But I'm, I'm not, but almost, except for the one, and he was boiled in oil. So I'm not putting myself there by no means. What I'm saying, though, is all they were doing was respond to what Jesus told them. He said, go and pray, cast out demons, preach the gospel. They just were doing what Jesus said. But when they went to do it, they didn't do it in a way that they were able to accomplish what they were sent to do. 
And so I believe not only were they discouraged, Jesus, what's going on here? I, I thought we were doing what you told us to do. Not only were they discouraged, but even the Father, your disciples came and prayed, and nothing happened, you know? And so the disciples of Christ were sent on the mission of Christ, and they weren't seeing the fruit of that mission manifest. Well, I felt very much the same way, that I was coming from Ohio to Georgia as a disciple, and I was going to set my hand to what God called me to set my hand to, and in doing so, I would see increase. And in doing so, I would see victory. you got to understand something, all right? I felt that in my 20s and up into my early 30s that I was a champion in Christ. I had seen victory after victory accomplished, and Woodstock, Georgia would be no different. And it was. Now you look in the room now, and you're like, well, Pastor, that's a full room. And this is the second service. There was a full room early, sir. I, hold on. We got, we got to rewind, okay? Because you go back, okay? You go back, and man, two and a half years ago, it wasn't the story. How many know there's a story, man? There's a story of your life, too. I like it when the stories just keep going up and up and up. I hate it when you have to have the crash and burn before the victory. Makes for a good movie. Makes for a lousy life. You know? I don't know where you are in the plot line right now. You know, I, I really don't. I know where I was two and a half years ago in the plot line. I was crashing and burning and emotionally I didn't understand. And my wife and I just didn't understand, you know, what in the world was going on, you know. I feel like I'm rushing ahead to a point I want to hold up for just a second. I mean, literally, my mantra was this at that age. It wasn't just God can, it was God will. My mantra was this at that age, I'm living in the fog, baby. What do you mean by that, Ross? In the favor of God, hallelujah. That, that was, remember, I used to say, man, we can't get away from the blessings of God. And so at 19, the first church I worked at was a two-year-old church plant. We get involved with it, and in, in a year of being there, it quadrupled in size. That sounds impressive. It was 15 people, okay. <laughs> Just being honest. But it was 15 people for two years. And we got involved, and the Lord showed me some things to help that church. And within a year, we were running 60. Hallelujah, you know. I leave there. I decide I'm going to go on the road and preach. I get on the phone. I start calling people that I knew. Hey, and next thing I know, I've got a whole docket slated to go preach. And I go preach, and God's blessing, and it's awesome. And, and the next thing you know, I get married to Amy, and my pastor, or her pastor she grew up there with, he um, needed help preaching. So I started going to his church on Wednesday nights to preach. And, and the next thing you know, he says, hey, I want you to come be my assistant pastor. I stayed there almost 11 years. And guess what? From the time I got there to the time I left, the church quadrupled. Praise my name. <laughs> I never really felt that way. I'll be honest. I never did. I always felt, Pastor Corey, when I was working for your dad, we, we, just, we were just all like, gee golly, I can't believe what God's doing. You know, really, while we were going through it, it was gee golly, can't believe what God's doing. Taking a church in a town of 55,000 people from 250 to over 1,000, it was just like, gee golly, Wow. You know, but it quadrupled. There you go. That's pretty cool, you know. So I come here, and in my mind, that's what God's going to do, right? We're going to start, and then our first day out of the block, inviting people to come find out about our church, there was me and Jared and Charlotte that sang up here and Amy, and that was it. 
We tried really hard for a few more weeks, and we did it again. And guess what? There was me and Jared and Sharla and Amy, and that was it. Do over. We go to do it again. Guess what? Our wives didn't even show up. True? I'm not lying. I'm not lying. They said to us, they said, look, if anybody shows up, call us. And Cindy Fullerton, wait, wave your hand. And Cindy right there, she and her daughter showed up. And we called, you got to get here, there's women folk. No. <laughs> and so, man, it started to go and, and grow and, and everything. But, but it didn't go and grow as I thought. It just didn't. And I couldn't understand it, God. I feel like I'm walking after your promise. I'm, I'm doing what you've said we're supposed to do. And, man, in a, a year's time, it's just growing slow. Within four years, about 150 people. You know, it's like, Lord, help us. I don't understand. What I thought was going to happen just isn't happening. When you look at Mark chapter 9, I love this. It goes down to verse 18. It says, your disciples tried to cast it out, and they were not able. That's how I felt. How long has this been happening? From childhood, a long time. It hasn't been going good. That's how I felt, you know. Often it cast them into the fire and into the water to destroy them. I felt like I was being cast into the fire and the water to be destroyed. It was horrible. That's the rub. I was realizing that in all of that, I was weak and unable. And my spiritual bandwidth from my 20s, from being blessed, 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 everything we put our hands to, had caused me in a sense to be a very, very shallow and God was allowing in my 30s to face some hell so that you can walk in what real heaven's all about, you know. And in my 30s, God was helping me to see, I'm, I'm, I'm allowing this to take place the way I desire. I love you. I've never went nowhere. But boy, I sure felt like he had. Do you often feel like the issues you face will never change? That's how it was for this man with this son. For us, that's how it was two and a half years ago. About four years prior to that, the church had flatlined at about 200, 225 people. It was a good church. Many of you here today are from our church. We are all that. We are that church. Amen? And God used a lot of that slow growth to make us the family that we are, to make us a place where you feel like you're with us on the journey and we're with you on the journey. But while we were going through it, it was hard. Not only that, as we were going through it, the church flatlines around two, 200 people or so. You know, two and a half years ago, not only that, the economy tanked. Remember that? That was fun times. You know? And here's the thing. I'm doing everything I felt in Jesus' name. Just like these disciples, they're told to go and do this. They're doing it in Jesus' name, but they're not seeing the miracle. You know? Because something's just come out by prayer. Something's come out by fasting. Something's come out by character development. Because you can't pray and fast without having your character developed. Come on. It's not you giving up food that makes the difference. It's that in the midst of fasting and praying, who you are becomes different because it's entwined with who he is. And then as that happened, I started to realize that he's a good, good father. That's who he is, amen? We've seen that. And I'm his son, and that's who I am. Whether I'm preaching in front of thousands or whether I was preaching in front of dozens, it didn't matter. I was his son. That's who I was. And I had forgotten that, and Allowed everything to get wrapped up with stuff and was missing my Savior altogether, you know. I'm thankful we got through that together. 
and all those that have come in the last couple of years, it's awesome having you. But I'm so thankful for the family that was there as we flatlined and we stuck it out and we hung in there, you know. And so I was doing everything in Jesus' name. I just wasn't seeing what I thought we should be seeing. And by the spring of 2014, I was hurting and wondering, how much longer can we keep going? Amy and I would talk about it. How much longer can we go? How much further? And then we would say things like, but there's 200 people. How could you ever quit on 200 people? There's 200 people that have confidence in, in Jesus because we preached the word of Christ. And they came to faith in Jesus. How can we quit on 200 people? And we just continue to move forward. You know, but on the inside, we were hurting, you know. And then that summer, August, two years ago, that summer, a woman came to the church. And she had come a couple weeks, two or three weeks. And she comes up to me and she says, I, I know that you don't know me, but I have a word I want to share with you. How many has been in church where somebody said, I got a word for you? That can be really good <laughs> or maybe not so good. And so she says, I have a word I want to share with you. And as she shares the word, she says, I feel like God wants you to know that this place will not hold you. I feel like God wants you to know, get ready to expand, get ready to increase. God's about to blow the doors off this place. Now, mind you, if you remember our old place, it was 5,000 square feet of awesomeness. All right? 5,000 is not a church. That's a house. That's a bigger house. I, I, I would like that. But I'm just saying, you know. It was 5,000 square feet. That's what we had. And so this young woman, she says, get ready for increase. And all I could think of was, really, I don't want to hear this. How many ever been so frustrated with God, your belief level was so low, that when somebody spoke something that was from God, you're just like, don't, don't say it again. Don't. I've, I've heard the prophecies. I've heard the stories. I've heard, I just don't want to hear it again. And there may be some in this room today, as I try to, get you to have hope and faith in the things of God again. You may even say, Ross, I just don't want to hear it. I respect that. I do. Because I was at that point two and a half years ago, or two years ago, about this time, two years ago. I just didn't want to hear it. But she spoke that word, and it felt like life if I would embrace it, you know. It was hard. But my wife, God was starting to speak to my wife too. And she journals, and she had written this on a sheet of paper, and she slid into a journal. And this week, she grabbed that out when I was telling her what I was preaching about. And she's like, you got to see this. Because what the Lord had laid in her heart at the same time was this. As I was preaching one Sunday. She felt led to go away from the sanctuary, and she started writing. And the Lord laid in her heart, Father, grow her strong and mighty. Speaking of momentum, church. Father, help us in our belief system. Help us in our bond, uh, getting out of bondage. Believe God for new beginnings and passion and fire and strength. And she says, Christ wants momentum to be a strong tower and not looked at as his babies anymore. In the last few years, God was shaping us and strengthening us. Your pastors first. Why? Because I was infantile in my ability to trust God. Mwah. Have you ever seen that Saturday Night Live bit? Don't watch Saturday Night Live. Have you ever seen that Saturday, Saturday Night Live bit where the guy's like a, a business exec, but his body's the body of a two-year-old, you know? And so they want him to sign contract, and he's like. And they hand him stuff, and he's all. From the spiritual standpoint, that was your pastor. I was infantile. I'm just being honest. Don't laugh so hard. 
truth kind of hurts. But I was. I was infantile. But God was strengthening and teaching us and developing us. And, and two years ago, God gave her that word. And then on the bottom, she wrote the scripture in Isaiah where it says to strengthen your stakes, lengthen your cords, and get ready to enlarge your tent. You know, get ready for what God's going to have for you. And guys, miracle of miracles, we go from a flatline church of 200 people, okay, that had no money to walking into this place a year later. What in the world but Jesus? Only Jesus. It wasn't your, your pastor, you know. I'm serious. It was Jesus. Only him, you know. And so with that, we come into this place. Long story short, you know what's going on here. In the last two years, we have doubled in size as a church. And it's not about doubling in size. Who cares about numbers? But life story after life story of people hurt and people uh, lost and marriages that were needed to be healed and lives that need to be changed over and over and over and over and over. God has done a work. Amen? Give him praise. Amen? But I just would need to be honest, I had stopped believing that God wanted to do all that. I really had, you know. Even when we, before we came here, it's probably 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I'm talking to the Georgia Assemblies of God on the phone. And as I get off the phone, Amy says to me, Ross, I feel like God just said that you're going to plant churches all around Georgia. And at that time, in my mind, of course, I'm just being honest. In my mind, well, yeah, we are. That's, that's what we do. Remember the fog, Right? But I did, I said out of false humility, I say to her, baby, let's get this first one started first. Hallelujah. You know, glory to God. But I think back in my mind, you can't keep from walking in the blessing of God, you know. God's just going to open wide and we're going to just go, 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 you know. And it didn't happen, you know. And so there was this sense of, of, of frustration and a sense of pain. I had stopped believing that God wanted to do all that he had said in my heart about a decade before, and I had finally, two and a half years ago, I just stopped believing all that. I mean, that word from God, that belief that God was placing in me early on that propelled me to leave my family in Ohio, that propelled me to pursue Georgia and the call that I felt he laid on my heart for, for, for Woodstock and for Georgia on a whole, all of those things, but I wasn't seeing what I had believed for for so many years. And two and a half years ago, the pain I was carrying, man, it was unbearable. And so when I think about that, I don't know what you may have been believing for. But if it hasn't manifested, I get it. I get the pain. I get the bitterness. I get the frustration. I get the anger. I was there. I was neck deep with that. I get it. But somehow in the midst of all that, God began to speak and open my heart to what he wanted to do, not what I wanted to do. But often there is a sense that the issues we face will never change. It had been a long eight-year season up to two and a half years ago, and I thought, man, it's never going to change. But can I tell you this morning, if you feel that way, listen, listen to me, that is a lie. Amen? That's a lie. Watch this, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 22. But if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. Two and a half years ago, not just two and a half, all along Jesus has been doing this. But two and a half years ago, we saw some of the fruit of his compassion. And Jesus said to him, if you can, in other words, you doubt? No, yeah, I'm compassionate. Watch what I'm going to do. 
all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I struggle, Jesus. How many in this room you struggle? Be honest. You struggle sometimes with this. You know? Me too. And so here's what happens, what's amazing, about two years ago, the opportunity for us to partner with the Assemblies of God as the church plant director, God starts to do a work not only in this house, you can see the fruit of what's happened in the house, you know, more than double in the last couple years, nice facility, God's going to do something awesome through Momentum Church, through y'all, amen? But it's all about Him, it's all about Jesus, okay? And God's going to do great things in and through you, I know that. But even beyond the four walls of this and this campus, okay, on September 17th and 18th, we're planting six churches in one day. That's crazy. With the Assemblies of God, been working on this project for about a year and a half, and we're going to launch six churches in one day in Atlanta and one in North Douglasville. But, man, that's something that you guys have allowed the Lord to give me a platform to be able to help guys plant churches. I applaud you all. Amen. Amen. And you know what's neat? They didn't pick us two years ago. When I say us, we all in this, right? They didn't pick us to do this two years ago because we had had it all figured out. I told them, I said, man, there's guys that have gotten to numbers so much easier than us. They wanted us. They wanted you. Because, man, it's real what we went through. You know? Facing the stuff we all faced and we hung in there together. You know? Not being perfect folk. You know, but serving a perfect God. And we hung in there together. And now God is perfecting in imperfect people his perfect plan. That's a lot of perfects. Because he is. He is perfect. And so I want to encourage you, put on your calendars that September the 16th, 17th and 18th, that Saturday and Sunday. Just put it on your calendars. Because as a church, we're going to go help do the Day of Hope with them on Saturday. As a church, those six lo locations, we're going to send volunteers to help. As they launch, we got people, hundreds of people from all over the country, or all over the state coming in to help. But man, momentum, we're going to have our part too. Isn't that cool? Man, I got to give God praise. Amen. So, so two and a half years ago, we didn't see any of this but a pouting pastor. That's all we saw two and a half years ago. But Jesus saw past the pout, you know. He knew, he knew what he was doing all along. Man, if you're grumping right now about spiritual things, it's all right. If you're a little bit upset with Jesus about some things you hope for, it's okay. If things that you don't understand make you a little upset with God, he got big shoulders. It's all right. He just wants you to believe in him. And he's going to help him through all that today. Amen? It goes on, and Jesus cast this spirit out. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, the spirit comes out of the boy. The boy's like a corpse. It's kind of how I felt, just dead. He's dead. It's over. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Today, you may feel bound and frustrated and maybe even dead in your belief. But I believe Jesus, as we worship, he's going to come and take you by the hand and cause you to rise up in him. Amen? Does that mean the miracle come today? I don't know it might. But the belief can begin to come that you can hold fast until God has his plan wrought in your life. And so I want to be a part of a generation that believes again that all things are possible through the power of Jesus Christ. At times I, I struggle with that, but I want to be a part of that generation. A part of those people that say, God, have your way. Do what you desire. Work your miracles in and through my life. 
yeah, God, I'm honest with my bitterness. I'm going to be honest with my frustration. I'm going to find some friends, maybe some pastors, some different ones I can lean on because I can't trust my own emotions right now. That's all valid. But equally valid is that he who begins a good work in you, he is faithful and he is just and he will complete what he starts. Amen? And his mission is what he starts. It never ends. His mission is the same. He would go forth and he would teach in the synagogues. We want to be a church that teaches the word. I hope every week you'll find that we have an appreciation for the word. We don't give you little chunky bite-sized little tiny one verse, three verse. No, I'm sorry. That's not who we are. We're going to choke you with the word a little bit. Is that okay? All right. That's just who we are. Number two, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. This is a good news message. We're not here to condemn you. Man, we all need the things of God. We all come in here undone. We need Jesus to help us to grow. And everybody in here is growing at different rates, etc. But we're growing in grace. And so when it comes to we're going to preach the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, that good news. But finally, he would go and he would heal sicknesses and heal diseases. We're a people that believe that God can do the miraculous. The disciples could not do the miraculous in their own strength. Passion of Jesus rose up and did what the disciples couldn't do. Let's stand to our feet today. As you're standing, we can't be touched by God in our own strength, but He has come with His compassion to touch your lives. Amen. He's come with His compassion, and you may even say, "You know what? I have tried everything. I knew to try, and it hasn't changed." I know that's exactly how I felt. Listen, the Cleveland Cavs had tried, but when the King Yes, King James. When he came on the scene, because of him, the championship was in sight. Hallelujah. We're going to worship here in a second. As we do, I have leaders that are going to be coming forward. And as they come forward, if you have something you need prayed for, we want to pray for you. We just want to join our hearts and our faith with you as your faith increases again, as you believe again. And I believe it's going to be a place of miracles today. Amen? But Pastor, you're talking about the Cleveland Cavs. Listen. It's not a ball game I'm losing. It's my mind that I'm losing. I get that. It's my peace I'm losing. It's my joy. It's my miracle. It's my healing. It's my marriage. It's my finances. I get that. And you may say, I believe, but, but, but Ross, help my unbelief. Jesus in a relationship with him will help your unbelief. I almost lost that. And a few years ago, God brought it back to simple, plain truth. That it was all about him. Very little about me. I just did what he wanted me to. So when it comes down to it, Jesus, listen, he is the king on the scene. And because of him, your victory is in sight. Jesus, he is the king on the scene. And because of him, your healing is in sight. Jesus, he is the king on the scene. And because of him, your deliverance, your healing is in sight. So let's pray in a sense that faith arises in spite of what we see. Say this, say, Lord... I believe, but help my unbelief. Say that again. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, we choose to trust you no matter what we feel. You are our champion, and in you, Lord, we are alive. Let faith rise Despite what I see Lord, I believe But help my own 
on, just declare that this morning. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. Sing that one more time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.